Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. After his resurrection, Jesus commanded his disciples to remember their authority in him and go forth to make disciples, discipling all the nations. Followers of Yeshua today still see this as an important command. But how do we make disciples wherever we are in life? In this episode, we learn what it means to be a disciple of Yeshua and why we are called to make disciples. Joining us are friends of Chosen People Ministries, Tom and Joanne Doyle, the founders of Uncharted Ministries. Their ministry actively shares the gospel with Jewish and Arab people in the Middle East and disciples them to further share the gospel with others. I now introduce the host of Our Hope Podcast, Abe Vazquez. Welcome back, everyone, to our last show of the season. I'm so excited to be with you, um, and I'm even more excited to uh, introduce our guests. These are two of my favorite people in the world um, because they are just a joy and a light to be around. You can just sense their relationship with God when you're next to them. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Um, and so I'm just excited for everyone to hear from Tom and Joanne Doyle. Tom and Joanne, thank you so much for being willing to be a part of this episode. Oh, Abe, Nicole, thank you. It is such a joy to be with you all. And what a sweet welcoming. Thank My goodness. You. Yes. We feel like we're part of the family. Thank I you. Know. Yes. So you both travel a lot. So I'm sure you've tried many different foods around the world. <laughs> what would you say? What would you, for, for both of you, what, uh, what is your favorite food? Gosh, that's a hard question for me to answer because I love food. I don't know about <laughs> y'all, but I love food. So I have to say probably my favorite food is Italian food. Mm, okay. um, and you know, it's interesting, no matter where we go in the world, we go throughout the Middle East, we've been in all different places. Everyone's familiar with Italian food. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Joanne's Italian. Her family's from Sicily. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm Irish. And so we eat bread. <laughs> that's about it really and potatoes you know Bread so potatoes but i if i had to pick an ethnic food oh my gosh it's italian yeah it's funny uh, we were just in jordan last week well no this week i guess yeah and um we were one of the lunches we had pizza and it was really good pizza wow <laughs> pizza knows about you? no boundaries oh my that's right. well i have celiac disease so i can't oh, have wow. bread <laughs> and yeah. pizza Darn. but before that uh it was pizza <laughs> a good mm. new york new york slice of pizza yeah. oh that's awesome how about yeah. you nicole 
Well, I have Crohn's disease, so I can't have gluten either. <laughs> so <laughs> I used to love a great New York slice of pizza, and now I just eat like grilled chicken and steamed vegetables and stuff. We have we have uh, another podcast called Our Gut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just talk about our gut issues. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, man. oh my gosh, for sure. Coming soon. <laughs> Well, uh, Tom and Joanne, so tell us a little bit about your work with Uncharted Ministries. So, um, gosh, we started going to the Middle East in 1995, just leading Bible tours to Israel. And then God called us. I was a pastor for about 20 years and God called us to uh, become missionaries in the Middle East. And we started working with the, working in Israel, started working in um, the other Middle Eastern countries. Our heart was with Jewish people, for sure. And um, God called us to leave and go and start working. So we would go back and forth and work in Israel and also Israel's neighbors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we weren't really ready for that. But after 9-11, God called us, made it clear that this was a great opening in the Muslim world, too. Mm -hmm. So God's given us a, a love for, for Jews and Muslims. And right. so, yeah. In fact, one of the things the Lord said to us when we first started working full time in the Middle East is he said, I want you to love the Jewish people and the nation of Israel by reaching her neighbors mm. when, with the love of Jesus. <clears throat> and so, again, we really thought that predominantly we were going to be working with the Jewish people. We love working with the Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And they are so precious, precious dear souls yes. who've been through so much hurt and heartache. Mm -hmm. And we um, have always felt so honored when we're in their presence um, for all that they've endured, that we can enter into their suffering, so to speak. And we recognize that they'll only be with us a few more years right. since they're yeah. older before they'll be gone. And yeah. so it's been an honor for us to do that. So when then Jesus said, I want you to start working now with um, Israel's neighbors, that was a little bit of a surprise for us. Yeah. Um, challenging. And a challenging, mm -hmm. yeah. But been amazing to see that reconciliation can happen in the Messiah. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's been awesome to hear the testimonies coming out of the Middle East. And we heard some of those stories during our 9-11 conference, and I was just awed by some of them. And we know that you weren't always serving in the Middle East, though. So what were you doing before you started Uncharted Ministries? And how did you recognize that call and make that transition? Mm, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, being a pastor, uh, we kept doing Bible tours. I actually became a licensed guide for Israel. And uh, but then in 2001, a couple of months before 9-11 happened, we were there in a Bible tour. All six of our children were with us and um, God was doing something in our heart. And it was much more than just looking at the archaeology. We, we obviously love studying the Bible on location, but we started looking around at the people. And I think what was shocking for us was to see this is kind of the epicenter of religion, but there just wasn't a lot of Jesus around there mm -hmm. with, when it came to, to Jewish people or Arab people. And God just had a, a call in our life to, to go. And we really didn't know what we were doing. A ministry asked us to lead the Middle East work. And we were kind of, you know, building the airplane as we were flying it. And then uh, a few years ago, God called us to start Uncharted. And that's about reaching the unreached mm. and standing with the persecuted. And so those are the things we do. So uh, evangelism, church planting, large team, discipleship all around the Middle East, national leaders, that's what we do. And then bring in teams when it's appropriate, when it will not expose them and cause problems for them. We bring in teams, women's teams, uh, medical, you know, teams. medical teams, sports teams, whatever. 
but yeah, so that's, that's how it started. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So help us with, uh, I guess the topic of this episode, Let, let's start here. What is a disciple? How would you dis- define a disciple? Yeah, a disciple is someone, um, so many definitions, there's the formal definition, but to me personally, a disciple is someone that follows the leader. And you, um, of course, our leader is Jesus, Messiah, um, Yeshua. And so as a disciple, I want to learn to live my life as he lived his life. And I want to follow the directions that he gives me. And so many of those directions are found in the Bible. And so as a disciple, I want to learn everything that my teacher has taught me um, through that manual, the Bible. And then I want to take what I've learned and not just make it knowledge in my head, but to live it out in my life. And as I live it out, that is also walking along the path and people that I meet along the way, sharing this exciting truth with them so that they too can be invited into this discipleship process of meeting Messiah, meeting Jesus as Savior, as Lord, and then living their life in the same way. So um, that that's a disciple, making a disciple who will make a disciple. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good definition, but that's how that's my good. heart reads yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, we learned it was vastly different in the Middle East. I mean, being a senior pastor, we wanted all of our people that were in the church that were believers to be discipled. And so we had a course and we did training and that it was a once a week thing. We encouraged them to be in small groups and obviously in church and that. And then we got to the Middle East and we found we just needed to erase the blackboard and start over. And when it came to Muslims coming to faith in Christ, never forget what a young man, Mohammed said to me. He said, you know, Tom, we were steeped in a religion. It was a false religion. Mm. And so meeting once a week doesn't cut it with us. We meet six days a week because our whole thinking, our whole history was, uh, comes from something that is not uh, from the Bible yeah. and not truth. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to have every, we need a, we need to be transformed our whole mind. And so six days a week in discipleship, former Muslims walking with Jesus. And I think that may be the reason why we see so many of them are willing to die for Jesus. Right. And, and when they come to faith in Christ, and I think also there's an acid test because Jesus said, you know, um, you know, he quoted Deuteronomy six, the Shema, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor mm-hmm. as yourself. Well, would these former Muslims, would they be able to love Jews? Mm-hmm. Is it so ingrained in them that they can't get over that. And as we talked with former Muslims, they said, we learned to hate Jews in the crib. Mm, It's just, in fact, even if they've never met a Jew. (laughs) Yeah. Just being in Jordan. We just heard it this week in a Mm -hmm. school, uh, Christian kids were saying how, what a struggle it was because the teacher said, uh, do you hate Jews going around the class? Yes, I do this, 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 it's just normal. So what happens when they come to Jesus? One of the little kids said, I, I don't, I don't hate anyone. And that was like shocking. Seven year old boy was asked, do yeah. you hate the Jews? And he said, 
no, I don't hate the Jews. I don't hate anyone. I love them. And then he came home from school. Excuse me as I'm interrupting. He came home from school and he said, mama, how do I answer this question? Because when everyone says they hate the Jews and I say, no, I don't. He said, they look look down on me. What do I do? And she said, what you say is no, what you said is true. I don't hate the Jews. I don't hate anyone, but I do hate war. Mm, that's awesome. And wow. you know, that switches the whole playing field. Mm-hmm. And, um, but can you imagine for these people, these young kids growing up in a country where they're taught to hate Jews, even if they've never met one before? So that, that's all they've known. That's all they've known. All they've known. Right. So this young man in the Gaza Strip said the same thing. Name is YL. I've always been taught this is wrong. I hate Jews. And when IDF came in, he used to throw rocks at him, all that kind of. So when he came to faith in Christ, he read the Bible. And I just love this. He said, I decided I wanted to be a full disciple. And I said, a full disciple? Yeah, I want to do every single thing Jesus told us to do in the Bible. I don't want to just pick and choose the things I feel comfortable with. And Jesus said, love your enemy. And he said, for me, that was easy, was right over the fence. It was the Jews. Mm. So I prayed. It was the state of Israel. Lord, I don't want to hate them. Please forgive me. Take away that hate. And he said, I expected that God would give me a tolerance for them. He said, I found myself filling my heart full of love for the Jews. And when rocket attacks were going into Israel from Hamas, I found myself praying for Jews. And I just had an incredible love for them. And you know what? We know that Yeshua is the Middle East peace process right there. That's what it is. It's not the UN will not pull that off. Can't change your mind. Can't make you love someone you don't love. He said, Jesus didn't give me a tolerance. He gave me a love for Jewish people. And now when he's in Israel, the conversations he has with rabbis about, I used to hate you. I was a Muslim from Gaza. This is what Jesus did. He's Jewish, by the way. Yeshua did that. (laughs) And he shares the gospel. Right. Amazing. Wow. We'll be right back. During these difficult times, we know how hard it is to hold on to hope. And we want you to know that Chosen People Ministries is here for you. If you have any prayer requests, our prayer team is standing by to receive them. You can submit your request at chosenpeople.com forward slash pray. Again, that's chosenpeople.com forward slash pray. Shalom, this is Mitch Glazer with Chosen People Ministries. I know that you're concerned about what's happening in the Ukraine right now. Russia has been on the attack and it seems unrelenting. So many people are suffering, and among that group of people who are suffering are well over 200,000 Ukrainian Jewish people. We've already sent aid, food, water, all sorts of materials, as well as Chosen People missionaries to the border between Ukraine and Poland. And we're having an active ministry there right now. We're also in touch with the 10 or 12 congregations that we work with in Ukraine itself. And we've been sending in a little bit of funding where we can get it in, but keeping in touch with them. So please pray for the Ukraine and for Chosen People Ministries.
We often hear people say uh, they are not called to be missionaries or be in ministry, uh, sort mm-hmm. of like what you're doing. Um, but in reading 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, it does look like God uses everyone in the church and he gives each person unique gifts. Mm-hmm. How would you say we are called to ministry wherever we are? Well, yes, I love that because God has given each one of us spiritual gifts. And I find in my own life, um, the older I get, I've known Jesus for over 45 years now. The more, um, you know, I continue in my walk with Jesus, I've noticed some of those gifts increase, um, you know, or they're seasonal. One gift that maybe I had when I was younger, mm-hmm. I still have that gift, of course, but God has brought other gifts in that I use, you know, in a greater way. So that part's fun, seeing those gifts increase. So God wants us to use whatever that gift is for his glory, but also to bring people to faith in Christ, because I believe that God has called all of us to be missionaries. You began reading, I believe, um, Nicole from Matthew 28 in the beginning, yeah. he told us to go make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. That was to all of us, to the body <clears throat> of Christ. So we're all missionaries, maybe not by trade, maybe not by profession, but by relationship to our savior. All of us are called to be missionaries, right? Sharing Jesus with the people across the street, not necessarily across the ocean, um, using whatever gifts he's given us. For instance, one of the gifts that God gave me that I used a lot um, in our early married days when our children were growing up was the gift of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I confess, I felt like that was a lesser gift. I thought, you know, there's people that are teaching and people that are doing all these incredible things. Yeah. And God, you called me to hospitality, seriously? <laughs> and I felt less than, yeah. but I loved having people in our home and I loved creating special meals for them in a warm, inviting atmosphere. And um, people would come into our home, whether they were believers or unbelievers. And we had the, the opportunity to number one, encourage them if they were believers or to open their eyes to more of who Jesus was if they were not a believer. And I'll never forget one day Tom said to me, Joanne, do you realize the gift of hospitality Vitality, that God is using this to bring people into the kingdom. And I had never looked at it that way before. So I just want to encourage listeners, no matter what gift you have, whether it's giving, raising money for you know people that are hurting right now mm-hmm. with the war that's going on between, you know, with Russia and Ukraine, or if it's the gift of hospitality, having people in to love them and with the warmth of Jesus or whatever your spiritual gift is. Ultimately, God wants to use that to bring people into his Mm. family. Mm. That's so true. And I think, boy, uh, this Italian kitchen was putting out some meals and feeding the neighborhood, (laughs) kids in high school, people coming over. It was truly amazing. Even when our kids were rebelling and not walking with Jesus, Joanne was cooking meals and people were coming in. And some of the kids that came in, we never thought we'd have kids like that in our homes. But you know what? They were created in the image of God. They were human beings. They weren't old. They weren't bad. They just yeah. needed someone to listen right, to, to them. And, them. And I think, you know, you look at in, in America today and the surveys, uh, 60 to 70% consider themselves Christian. And I think, okay, why are we not getting more done in America? Why are we not stemming the tide of against evil? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is simple. Jesus never called us to become Christians. He called us to become disciples. Mm-hmm. The word's over 200 times in the Bible. Yeah. Christian is less than 10 times. Mm-hmm. And so as a disciple, you're a doer, you're a goer. And 
God will show you what your spiritual gifts are. And I think when I was the first pastor, I wanted to find out what everybody's spiritual gift was and we'll plug them in. And we had all these tests and stuff. And, (laughs) And at the end, it didn't seem like it really stimulated people to do anything other than just say, well, I have the gift of encouragement, you know, and I have this, and they were kind of like talking and comparing. I think you just start serving Jesus, be his disciple, and it will, they'll bubble to the surface right. and yeah. people will say, yeah. you do have the gift of teaching or encouragement or exhortation or yeah. whatever. And so I think they just naturally come and they, they, they'll just be manifested. We'll be able to see them. So I don't know. I, I don't know, maybe people have said I have the gift of encouragement. I think at times I, I would say, well, I wish someone would encourage me other than Joanne, you know, but, uh, you, you know, so we all think, is that that important of a gift? But really God uses everything for his glory. And if I can just borrow from our Middle East leader who works with former Muslims, he said this, when people pray to receive Christ, I asked him, why are so many of the Muslims not falling away that, that our team is working with? He said, number one, before they pray to receive Jesus, we tell them they will be persecuted. Mm, yeah. So are they sure they want to do this? Two, after they prayed, receive Christ, we show them that Jesus said, believe and be baptized. It's, it's an initiation, not a graduation. Believe and be baptized. We teach them to be bold, to reach their family. The day they accept Jesus, we take them to the next house and they share their testimony <laughs> because they're that far ahead of the next person. And then the last one, and I've never heard this, guys, never heard this in a gospel presentation. We help them discover that they have a spiritual gift and that God has called them to fit into the body of Christ. They're like a missing puzzle piece mm-hmm. and God's called them to salvation. And there's a reason that he's called them to salvation. He's going to equip them that's for right. a good work, something that's missing. That's right. Wow. While we're on this question of sort of making disciples wherever you are, when we wrapped up our 9-11 conference, you and Tom were both on your way home. Uh, you jumped into a cab and oh my you, goodness, headed, yes. you headed back to the airport. And we received the most amazing email um, <laughs> in the morning. And it's in the PS, so I'm just going to read the PS, um, and then I have a follow-up question. So this is from Joanne. You said, on an exciting note, we shared the gospel with our driver on the way to the airport at 4 a.m. this morning. (laughs) Tom initiated the conversation, but the gal was subdued. He kept pressing in while I'm ashamed to say was thinking he should back off. Praise God, Tom didn't. (laughs) He kept chatting away about Jesus. I finally joined in as well. Sweet Wendy from El Salvador was empty and searching. She prayed in the car, giving her heart and life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Here she is, our new sister. And you attached a photo uh, of you and and Wendy. Um, And I always think about this. I I always think about this email. Um, You waste no opportunities. Um, And I think that is such a beautiful ministry. And so I'm just, my question is for our listeners, how do you, uh, I guess, Talk us through that a little bit. And I mm. I don't know if it's something teachable. It's something you just mm-hmm. kind of do and you just jump in like you're jumping into water, right? Um, but I guess like mm-hmm. help help us understand the concept of wasting no opportunities to share Jesus. Mm. Mm. So excuse me, one of the questions you may be asking is, how do you start the conversation? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah. a simple question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sweetie. Well, you know what? Gosh, 
how many times have we wasted opportunities? We try not to, but we were super tired. We were privileged to speak at the conference and we were MCs too. We were were fairly brain dead. (laughs) And so we got in the, got in the car and it just, it just started. We just started talking and I could feel like Joanne was kind of tired at that point and, and just continue this conversation. All of a sudden there was kind of a crack there. And I could tell this woman from another country was lonely. Mm, And so I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the perfect opportunity. And so immediately started sharing Jesus. And it was amazing because as she was driving, I could see her looking in the rearview mirror. And then sometimes she'd turn around and look behind, like she wanted to stop and pull over. (laughs) And that's probably not real safe in New York city, you know? (laughs) And um, so she's talking and then all of a sudden Joanne sees oh my gosh, this conversation is, is going somewhere. I'm jumping in. And, and it was just a beautiful thing. It was really tag teaming the gospel right. for yeah. sure. Well, you know, one of the things I think I'd say, Abe, is we have to have ears to hear, mm-hmm. right? We have the Holy Spirit residing in us. And sometimes we can have a little thought that kind of trickles down in our mind. And we have a choice. We can swap that thought away or we can let it kind of settle in and we can listen to, is this the Lord speaking? Is this my own thoughts or what have you? So what Tom heard kind of trickling down was as he was having this conversation and noticed that she was lonely. Hmm. So what Tom did, you know, to start that conversation, you know, switching it to talking about salvation and Jesus was well, you're lonely. Tell me more about why you feel so alone. You're new in this city. You know, COVID was, is just ending, but not really. And so he used that thought that she had as a bridge, that bridge led him up. How can I enter Jesus into this conversation now? So I would say that's one of the ways to start a conversation, a spiritual conversation is look for something that can be a bridge to talking about Jesus. It can be the weather. It can be anything, but for her, it was loneliness. Um, And then another thing for me personally, you mentioned, you know, jumping in water. I always think of jumping off a diving board. (laughs) I always think there's that bridge. Okay, Lord, she's lonely. I could take this and totally segue it into talking about how Jesus is our only hope. Yeah but I have to have a choice. I've got to jump on that diving board into the ice cold water. Mm -hmm. And I know when I jump in that water, either I'm going to be, you know, pushed away and she's going to reject what I say, or she's going to, you know, receive those words and want to go further in conversation, but it's having the boldness to jump off the diving board. And I will tell you after, you know, doing this so many times through the years, Jesus is always there to catch you. You're going to jump in that water and it may be cold. And even if they swat you away, Jesus is always there to catch you. And I love, I I think of um, Peter, when he had the conversation with Cornelius at one point in that passage in Acts, it says that Peter opened his mouth Mm -hmm. and then he began speaking. And so often that's what Jesus calls us to do. Mm. So one verse that I love that Paul talks about that um, when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power unto salvation. And so think about it this way. When I open my mouth and I begin sharing the, the gospel, 
God's power is released. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I may be afraid, but no. that's, you know, by not being ashamed, I'm actually speaking the words. Yeah, yeah. And then even no matter what I say, his power is released because he desires that men should perish apart for him, from mm -hmm. him. So then he's in the whole mix. God is the one moving in the hearts. He's the one drawing the conversation to the next level as he did with Wendy in the car, which by the way, we've had conversations with her that have continued. We sent her a Bible uh, in Spanish. So yeah. she's got her own copy of the scripture now. And um, yeah. And you know, I think as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We, we're proud of the gospel. We're, we have a godly pride about the gospel. How amazing is this? We just have trouble getting the conversation started <laughs> yeah. occasionally, you know, and so or we're afraid we're going to be rejected and, or we're going to be rejected. And of course, for us, it's been in places where it's jail, maybe danger. And um, I was in Gaza going to a refugee camp to, to with some believers there in the Gaza Strip. So it's 100 percent Muslim. It's run by Hamas. You have to go and you have to meet them first before you go and visit people. And so uh, there's a guy, his name is Mahmoud, and we go in his office, we sit down and behind him in his office are pictures of people. It's like a who's who of terrorism <laughs> in the Middle East. I mean, it's not, but when he finished, thank you for coming to feed the people and all that, I felt like God said, pray for him. And I thought, I don't know if this is a good idea. So I just said, Mahmoud, can I give you a gift? And he said, yeah, what, what is that? And I said, could I pray for you? You're a man. You have a faith. I have a faith. Could I pray for you? And he said, sure. So we got up and had a couple guys with us. We got around Mahmoud, who's in Hamas, put our hands on him and prayed. And let me tell you, it's a Holy Spirit filled prayer with 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 passion. And he sees the hands going up because they're praying to a God that's not there. They're not getting answers. No one's mm -hmm. home. And so we just prayed and prayed the gospel in the midst of the prayer. And when we finished, we said, thanks for letting us pray. And he looked up and this Hamas guy had tears on his cheek. And he said, will you do me a favor? And we said, yes. He goes, will you pray like that at every home that you go at every tent you go to? We said, we'll do it. We'll, we'll work it in. You know, we'll do it, right? <laughs> we'll do it. And so a chance to share the gospel. God is a creative God and he'll give you ways That's to right. do it, totally you know? That's amazing. Yeah. I'm tearing up listening to you. That is incredible. Oh my mm. gosh. Yeah. So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about how God has placed each of us in different roles in our lives. And I'm thinking specifically about our family roles. We're daughters, sons, siblings, spouses, parents. And often when we think about making disciples, we think about going outside our home, reaching strangers on the street, going to different countries. But how can we cultivate discipleship within our spheres of influence with our family and friends? It's mm. a good question. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's, there's some things that are just simple things that we can do each day that will be able to, to, to give to the family. And um, we can... We can um, share these with our family. It'll be life changing. For instance, we we heard from Billy Graham once that he said every day when he ran his read his devotions, he would lay the Bible out where he had read and just leave it there on a table. And every time he walked by, he'd just reread it. He said, "You know, I have trouble remembering what I read from my devotions, so I just lock it in, lock it in, lock it in every day." Um, 
And so that's something we pass to our children. I heard from Arthur Blessed, who has taken the cross around the world, been in every single nation with the cross. He said this, I go to bed at night. And he said, what I do is open my Bible and I just read Jesus' words. He said, I just read the red letters. I want Jesus' words to be the last things I think about before I go to bed. How come we've never thought of that? We haven't thought of that. So now we do. And, and so little things like that can, can really help uh, show them what a disciple does and how they live. So, so it's not just hearing this, what you do, kind of modeling. seeing what people do. Right. Yeah. Model. You know, in fact, um, we were just with Anne Graham Lotz um, last week, I guess it was before we went to Jordan and we were talking about this very thing and how do you pass your faith on to your children mm -hmm. and going back to Deuteronomy six that Tom quoted earlier, you know, where it says starts with the Shema here, O Lord, the Lord, our God is one, love the Lord, your God with all your strength, you know, the rest of the verse. And then it goes on to say, you know, teach your children, you know, along the road, along life's way at home. And so, so we were talking, well, how do you do that? How do you do a long life's way and while you're at home? And basically what Tom said is what Anne said they do. And that is you live your life for Jesus and you are the model. I mean, we've heard the whole, the old adage, um, children learn from what they see more than from what they hear. So formal teaching is so good teaching and talking about Jesus, but then watching us walk with Jesus truly is, I think, the best way to pass that on to our loved ones. Um, you know, our kids have walked out from the time they're all adults now, but they have walked out early in the morning to see Tom in his little spot and me in another room in my spot, you know, meeting with Jesus, reading our Bibles, on our faces, praying. And I do believe that is really one of the best ways to pass on our faith is modeling it. But then, having fun times with Jesus. Yeah. Um, not just the formal times are exciting, yeah. but having fun when your kids are younger, your grandchildren are around or, you know, family members are coming in, um, making opportunities of everyday moments. I love what scripture says, you know, so often in the gospels, it will say sort of like on this one day, and then I'll go on and share a miracle story. Well, every day is an ordinary day. But how can we make it extraordinary with Jesus? How can we take a family dinner and turn it around to something memorable for our children? That's right. You know, the Holy Spirit will show us ways to do that, creative ways to do that. And I think, you know, we're certainly not trained to act Christian or this is what you do or whatever. Hopefully they just catch you in the moment. One of the things we say is that when believers are serious about prayer, they'll get on their faces mm -hmm. if they're desperate. We call it FaceTime, you know, and it's not <laughs> what's on your Apple phone. It's what believers have been doing for centuries when they were yeah. desperate for God to move yeah. and that it's God on their faces. And when kids or grandkids see you on their, on your face, praying, praying yeah, they know it's serious business. Mm. And often they'll ask what we're praying. Oh, which is praying for all of you kids, right. you know, yeah. it's just a good thing for them to see. You know, another thing that we love doing with our grandkids is acting out scripture. You know, mm -hmm. some of our grandchildren are still younger. And so it's so fun at Christmas time, for instance, we had everybody stand up and have different roles in the Christmas story. And the kids remember that Yeah, you know, they cling to that because they saw it with their eyes. They tasted it in many different um, parts. Another thing that we love to do is tell Bible stories. I mean, don't we love telling stories? That's how we communicate. 
you know, you just read that email that in a sense was a story of, right. of meeting Wendy. So often we'll take a scripture from, you know, story of Jesus miracle, for instance, Jesus calming the storm. Mm -hmm. And we will tell that story to our grandchildren in story form. Mm -hmm. And they listen at the edge of their seat they and do. they remember it more than if I just would have read that to mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. So it's just being creative because our God is a creative mm -hmm. God. Look at our world. Oh my gosh. Look at the flowers and the animals. I mean, if a giraffe can have a long neck, uh, right? That's a creative God. <laughs> That's true. So we can be creative in how we present Jesus to them, how we present God's word to them. They're going to want, you know, and if we have enthusiasm, you know, if we're excited mm -hmm. about something, they're going to catch that passion That's as right. well. That's right. As you were talking about all this, I was remembering going to vacation Bible school as a kid and learning the hand motions with the songs. And, you know, me and Abe were very blessed to have grown up in a Christian family and, mm. you know, see our parents model this faith for us. But I know for a lot of Jewish and Arab believers in Jesus, they don't have that. They don't have any role yeah. models in their family to look up to. And when they come to faith, they tend to feel a little isolated because they don't know if it's even okay to share their faith with their family, especially if they're going to be persecuted for it. How would you encourage a believer who may face persecution for what they believe, but wants to make disciples? Yeah, that's tough. And I mean, uh, we see it where, where we are, and it's really on both sides, obviously, Jewish and, and Arab or Muslim, you see it. Yeah, I think there's no easy answer. Um, I think for when they come to faith in Christ, if they know they're probably going to be persecuted, it's good to know that ahead of time. It just starts with one and maybe they can even start online doing something that's an easy way to start you know the church is in three forms now we have church on the ground we have the church underground and places where it's super dangerous like iran and saudi arabia but then we have the church above the ground now the digital church that in some places believers in mecca the, yeah. the probably never meet another believer but all of that can be online so that's not a bad place to start for some believers is online where they can think through answers and pray and that mm -hmm. that's not a bad place to start what do you think joanne you know one of the things that i was thinking about is that um one message we hear often with former muslims that come to faith in jesus and how family members see the change in their life they want what they see in their loved one and they don't know what it is, but all of a sudden they see joy. They see smiles on faces. What they see is evidence of the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So their countenance has changed. Their whole demeanor has changed as they carry the fruit of the Spirit. So that is a great way to share for someone that may be perhaps in a family where they're afraid to share their faith is mm -hmm. asking the Lord to allow his presence to shine out so that their loved ones will be drawn to what they mm -hmm. see in this new believer's life and they'll start asking questions. So that's a great place to, to start. Lord, may I shine you in that's such right. a way that my family members who I want to share with, but I'm so afraid to, may they ask me what makes me different. Mm -hmm. And then I can share the hope that is within me. So we can never forget, we've got the Holy Spirit, the advocate, you know, our helper, the counselor, he's called so many different names yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. But um, we can talk to him and ask him to shine out from us in a way that gives us opportunities or asking him as well, Jesus, is this a safe person for me to talk to? Mm -hmm. You know, 
Lord, send me to someone who is searching for truth, who's seeking truth. That's right. Give me the opportunities to recognize them and then to have the boldness to share with them. That's right. So we can always go to the Lord in prayer and he will show us. I don't want to oversimplify that, yeah. but that is a really deep concept. We cannot overlook the power of the specific prayer in those areas. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, I think um, that's so true, Joanne. The, the number one way that people are discovered uh, that that they're a believer, whether they come from a, a Jewish background, a Muslim background, is this, their family sees a change in their countenance. It's not something they tried to do. It's the Holy Spirit is there. So the fruit of the Spirit just naturally out. comes out and they see that. Yeah. And that's a game changer for them. How, how are they like this? That produces the questions. And so, um, yeah, we, we really see that wherever we go that in, in fact, <laughs> there's, this is crazy. There's an imam in Iraq that's <laughs> saying that it's okay for Muslims to let their wives become Christians. He said wow. it publicly. People went, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? No, it's really good. It's good for Muslims to let their wives become Christians because they're in a much better mood. They have joy <laughs> and happiness, and it goes so much better for the husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> this goes back to the man, right? Whatever works. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He hit the nail on the head, didn't he? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, Tom and Joanne, this has been such an amazing um, time with you. As, as we wrap up, how can our viewers, our, this is a podcast, how can our listeners <laughs> pray for you? Oh, gosh, thank you. That is such a kind question. Well, I you know, know what? I, yeah, I just, I would pray for our frontline team. I mean, they're in, in the worst places you can imagine in, in Syria, in dangerous places where wow. the Islamic State started and in difficult places in Iran and in Afghanistan. Uh, we just got a picture of someone that was baptized a couple of weeks ago in Afghanistan. Wow. And he wanted people to see it. Hey, the church is not gone. Jesus is still here. And so what Tom's not sharing is that, that photo that we received from the person getting new believer, getting baptized in Afghanistan is it's outside where anybody can see Yeah. and Taliban, anybody can see. And number two, it's in the background of that photo, you see um, snow on the bank. So that water is freezing. freezing. Wow. And so in freezing cold outside in the open in public, this man was making truly a public proclamation. I am a follower of Jesus and I am following him in baptism. Them. could have been beheaded at any moment yeah. but yeah talk about boldness that's right that's right so really praying for all the workers when i think about the work in israel with with jewish people and and the resistance to the gospel because of some people called themselves christians and they they don't know any difference um would just if if the listeners would just pray for the the health and, and for the believers that lead these ministries to just keep going, there's some times where they're not seeing a lot of fruit. Then there's times when they see a lot, but you know, uh, we know that the, um, God, Satan's gonna be crushed under our feet. The, you know, it's gonna happen. And so just pray for the leaders there. They get tired, uh, they have a lot of needs. And then also God always protects us and protects our family but the enemy tries to attack our family and so we have a lot of things with six kids five married ins 14 grandkids and wow. 
And so pray for their protection. That would be, be so helpful. Well, thank you again, both of you, for uh, for giving the time. I know you're jet lagged from Jordan, but um, <laughs> it, this was amazing. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, Tom and Joanne. Praise well, God. Abe and Nicole, thank you. It's been our, our joy. Amen. It was, it was wonderful. Thank you. Hey, let's do a live one from the Middle <laughs> East sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. That great. sounds amazing. <laughs> As followers of Yeshua, we have the privilege of being a part of a higher purpose. We are now part of the global family of disciples, uniting to share the good news of salvation to the world. We have been drafted into the army of God to bring forth the ministry of reconciliation, just like our Messiah. We pray you will continue to share the love and truth of Messiah wherever you are and run with endurance, the race set before you. As we wrap up this episode, I'm sad to announce this will be my last episode with our whole podcast. It's been a joy and a privilege to speak with you and uh, to speak with others and teach you and um, to just bring you into all that we're doing in this ministry, this amazing ministry. And um, while I'm sad, I know that God has a lot for me and my family. And I am just looking forward to seeing this and, and hearing this podcast, um, you know, on my ride, ride to work and um, seeing that all Nicole and Grace and the full digital media team at Chosen People Ministries is going to do. And with that, I'd like to introduce you to the new host of Our Hope podcast, Nicole Vaca, as she wraps up this episode. I'm Abe Vasquez, signing off. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. You can also share this podcast with your family and friends on social media. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope, featuring Tom and Joanne Doyle from Uncharted Ministries. This episode was co-written and co-produced by Nicole Vaca and Grace Sweet and edited by Grace Sweet. This episode was also made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Abe Vasquez, Rachel Larson, Kyron Bautista, and John Bautista. I'm Nicole Vaca. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. You can also support our podcast by giving today at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. See you next time.